Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Three weeks ago, I started into uh, a series on Wednesday nights called Holy Habits. Uh, And for those of you that it's just a dressed up name for disciplines, I like the word disciplines, but I think it's just my temperament. I'm a yellow red, so I like like talk to me about disciplines, but uh, to soften it for some, it's a holy habit, which it truly is. It's a habit that every believer that you've got to, I say you've got to. You don't do these apart from being in love. Now, let me just explain that to you. There's certain uh, holy habits such as giving Sabbath, time management, and yes, time management is a holy habit. Uh, and, and it's it's all uh, a secondary consequence of an encounter with the Lord that everything else starts to get put into action. But some people don't really know because their schedules rule them. Their schedule, they, we, we are so wore out society. The devil, if he knows he can't get you to fall into sin, what, did I, what have I been saying? What's his next best thing? Distraction and busyness. It's distraction slash busyness. So he'll keep you busy. He'll keep you at the office a few more hours. He'll keep you locked up in so many different things, chasing and allowing your schedule to pull you around by a collar instead of you taking a hold of your schedule and saying, no, this is what I'm gonna do, and these are important. But it all flows out of the place of encounter, and sometimes if, you, if you're out of alignment with that, then you have to realign yourself with the habits that God has called us to be successful in, in our relationship with the Lord. So I started off into part one, but I, I just, I'm like, man, I, I've got so many facets to my personal prayer life. I can't teach this all in one Wednesday night. So I did what, what my staff has told me to do since day one. Don't pack everything into one message, but to break it down. So I got stuck on holy habit number one, which is prayer. And it's really more than just, uh, God is great, God is good. And we thank him for this food. Our heads are just amen. You know what I'm saying? It's more than that. But it, it actually flows from a place of where I told you what I felt like the Lord spoke to me. So I'm talking to you out of my prayer closet. But what God spoke to me specifically and said, I have called you to be a man of extraordinary intimacy with me. And that's an extraordinary call. I don't care if I never make it out of my closet in prayer to become some great pastor or whatever it is. I want to be, I mean, I want to do well in shepherd. Don't get me wrong. But my heart is I'm called to be a son. I said, be a son. Not do a sonship, but to be a son. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the first week, I'll just give you a a quick little overview. The first week I went into this, I talked about um, holy habit number one about prayer. And it was discussing two specific topics. It's the discipline of saying yes, because it is a discipline. You got to, you understand when you say yes to God, you've just said no to a thousand lesser, lesser things, okay? The second part of that was shutting the door. So saying yes to God and the discipline of shutting the door that shuts the, the door out of, of, of sometimes what's happening in the culture, shutting the door out on, on what so much we focus our time on, shut the door on those things and walk into the closet because where is your, where's the father? 
Jesus lays it out. He said, shut, when you've shut your door, go into your, or excuse me, when you pray, go into your secret place. And when you've shut the door, your father who is in secret, he's already there. So he can't leave you. He can't forsake you. You, you don't pray the prayer, God be with me, because that's when he can't answer. He's always with you anyway. But he's most definitely in the secret place waiting for you to come away. And, and then I went into last week, which was part two, and I talked about the discipline of listening. If you can master that, and it's a lifelong thing, it's not something you do in a week's time, it's not a master class that I'm giving, I gave you on, on listening, but it's a journey with the Lord. You, you learn to hear and to feel and to listen for his heartbeat and to understand his nuances and his impressions. It's a lifelong journey that you walk with the Lord. And, and tonight I'm going into uh, the third part of this, which is uh, obedience. And, and then I've actually put a fourth installment in, which I felt today I needed to, and it's going to be on intercession. And that is in, under, the, the, uh, under the guise of, of prayer and this whole, the first holy habit. Again, you don't do holy habits apart from intimacy. Do not do those. You'll become a legalist and then you'll push your convictions on somebody else. So I'm encouraging you, do not do these apart from intimacy and love for the Lord. You have to, this has to be interpreted and read from love, not as a book of do's and don'ts. I know that we know that, but just to reiterate and rehash, okay? So here in James chapter one, in verse one, I'm gonna read this from the Amplified, the classic Amplified. I love it, it's really good. But it says here, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word. I love the additives to it. It says, actively and continually obeying God's precepts or his laws, commands, and not merely listeners. Because there's a lot of people that sit on church pews and seats Sunday in, Sunday out, small groups, and they listen. Who hear the word but fail to internalize. Have you ever heard the phrase, some of you, I used to hear it all the time from my parents. Boy, you let it go in one ear and out the other, and you never listen the first time. So it's something that has to go in my ears, but it has to hit the heart. You ever heard of the 18-inch journey, which is from the, the heart to the head or the head to the heart, whatever. We hear it here, but it's got to get here because it produces conviction. Otherwise, it's a concept of thought. They hear the word but fail to internalize, to meditate on it, to take it in and say, oh, wait a second, what I just read, what I just heard. Uh, I, I need to take a moment. I, I need to relax and sit back and understand what is he trying to speak and what is he saying right now? Because if you don't, you end up deluding yourself by unsound reasoning contrary to the roof, or to the roof, to the truth. Have you ever, have you ever um, met someone that, they heard of a circumstance or a situation, and by human reasoning, by the time they got finished, they're like, man, they're messed up like a soup sandwich. It's like they're talking this whole thing. They just took something, but by human reasoning, they've twisted this thing and come out with a different topic or story or even uh, uh, doctrine than what the word is trying to say. It's been twisted because... It goes back and bears repeating for the quote that I've heard so many times. I love the quote, but it talks about humanity without Christ at the center is demonic in nature. Think about it. Humanity, when we're left to our own devices and our own concerns, what do, what do we do? We build a, an idol out of gold. And we worship, well, he's, Moses is not coming back, so let's just build an idol. Because left to our own device, we have to be led 
We have to be directed, and it's important that you learn to listen. Man, I gotta, I've got something really good. I got, I got 20 minutes. Let's flow. All right. So tonight I want to talk about the discipline of rapid and radical obedience. It's, it's radical because you hear it, you internalize it, you practice it, but it has to be something that, that, that I practice. I have to take and put action to it, as the scripture says. Um, and by rapid and radical, I mean immediate obedience that fulfills the commandment that the Lord spoke to its fullest measure. Um, you've heard this saying before, delayed obedience is what? Come on, somebody say it louder. Disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So when the Lord speaks, me sometimes, we can say, well, I'm just, I'm just praying into that word. Now, sometimes you don't have to pray about it. When you delay, when you know what the Lord is saying and you know what's right, but you still delay it, guess what? It can be considered disobedience. So it's important to rapidly obey and forget because the fear of man is what puts us into delayed obedience, okay? If you'll begin to pray, God, deliver me from the fear of man. It's a great proverb. Deliver me from the fear of what man thinks. I, listen, we all wrestle with it. I don't care how strong you are. We all wrestle with it because the enemy wants to put the chain on you and binds you with the fear of man. So the, this type of obedience, though, doesn't, doesn't seek to comply the minimal standards, but it pursues extravagant, lavish fulfillment. It, the, the radical obedience is like, I don't care what anybody says. I've heard what I've, I know what the Lord is speaking. Now, there's times, seek wise counsel if it's mega decisions, okay? Don't get me wrong on that. The, the, but the New Testament word for obedience, I'm not even gonna try to go there and pronounce it. It's, that doesn't bear any meaning than that. But the word is a compound word consisting of two Greek words. The first part of it means under. The second part of, of that word means to hear. So you hear under. Under what? Let me just talk about that. So obedience for us involves listening attentively with the heart of compliance, submission, and then obeying his word. Hear a lot of people that say, oh, I'm submitted to the, to the word of the Lord. I'm submitted. You have to, you, when you submit yourself under God's, it's like the, the great commission. You can't be commissioned with the Lord functioning uh, you can function in all the great things that the scripture talks about, to, but, to, but to do it lawfully and authorized by him, you have to be under submission. People say, well, I, I, can't get to, I can't do what I wanna do when I'm under submission. You may not get to do all that you wanna do, but guess what? You can do more than you're capable of because you're under his submission. So that's the importance of obeying what he says. If he says no right now, then guess what? There's a greater yes to come. Well, I wanna do what I wanna do. No, no, no. When I say yes to God, that means that I said yes to him, not only Savior, but guess what? He becomes Lord. That's the struggle in the Western church right now. Oh, I won't, everybody wants a Savior like Jesus, but we struggle whenever he puts his finger on us and says, yeah, but I'm also your Lord. So that means that I get your time. I get your finances. I get all of your family belongs to me. Your schedule belongs to me. All of it belongs to him. So therefore, I come under alignment to him, submitted to him. Not my own. Remember, you're left to yourself. What do you become? Humanity without Christ at the center becomes demonic in nature. I'm not saying you're possessed, but I'm saying you could find yourself into a wild flower patch that you didn't sign up to, to partake in. I don't even know what that means, but it sounded good, so I just said it. I felt like a, a, I wanted to be a TF Tinny and just throw out something that sounded cool. So anyway, there you go. I have no idea what that even means. 
You can quote me on that, Demetri. I know you will at some point. <laughs> but implicit obedience starts for every one of us not in doing good works, but in sitting at his feet and hearing his word. Devotion to the place, the secret place of prayer is the believer's, every one of us in this room, first great act of obedience. It's your very first great act of obedience and it must happen. So if you would flip with me to Mark 3, or excuse, yeah, Mark 3, really quick. Uh, it'll be up on the side screens. How many actually brings their Bibles? I don't wanna hear it. Oh, Bibles. Something that you physically turn. I'm so proud of you, Dan. I am so proud of you. Way to go. No, I'm kidding. Not really, but uh, I'll let you pass tonight. <clears throat> Bless you all that brought your Bibles tonight. Oh, listen to those pages turning. Don't they sound so good? All right, seriously though, Mark chapter three, verses 33. Um, we'll, we'll take a look at this and, 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 I, and I wanna read just briefly the few verses prior to this so that we can kind of set this up. Um, then Jesus' mothers and brothers arrived standing outside. I'm gonna read in verse 31 and I'll read into it. This is when uh, um, Jesus was accused by his family and teachers of the law. They begin to accuse him. So Jesus, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him. For what purpose, I wonder? A crowd was sitting around Jesus, the right place to be. And they told him, your mothers and brothers are outside looking for you. Now, I'm just gonna have to say, if I'm in that position, it, it, it's when I hear my mom shows up, I can hear a voice right now calling me, uh, wanting me to come, whatever she's, whatever she's doing, wherever she's at. So I'm gonna find myself walking away from the crowd, going to listen to what she's got to say. But it says here in Jesus' response, it says that a crowd was sitting around Jesus and they told him, your, parent, your mom is here and your brothers are here looking for you. He says, who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around them and identifies them as his family. We don't know, there's no relationship there outside of what he's teaching. But it says, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. The will of God for that moment was for the people to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear the word that he had to release. You know, it's interesting when you hear, you read the story, we always hear, and I, this may be my theological perspective of Mary and, and Martha. You know, I, Martha was in the kitchen fixing sandwiches that Jesus never ordered. We always say, can I say it one more time? Martha was in the kitchen preparing and fixing sandwiches or soup or something Jesus had never ordered. She was in serving tables and then because she was out doing, without doing, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, your mind is so busy with so many things, but Mary has chosen the best part and it will not be taken from her. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus because she has perceived, I, have, I, I hear when he speaks, his words are spirit and his words are life. When he speaks, my heart is stirred. I know where I came from and because of, 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 of his words, of life, it's brought me into a place of breakthrough, so I'm gonna sit at his feet, and I'm gonna receive because there's revelational life coming. When he speaks, things happen. When he speaks, worlds are formed. When he speaks, demons have to get out of the way. They have to flee. Are you with me? So she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and what I wanna say, some preachers say, well, we need Martha's and we need Mary's. No, Jesus clearly says, Mary chose the best part. So 
Yes, is there the fact, I think you have to discern the time and the season of which the Lord is speaking. Now, again, I'm not saying, well, nobody's gonna serve in church anymore. We're just gonna, no, we, we need every hand on deck. Right now, if you're setting back and you're simply receiving, I just wanna let you know, you are needed in this house, especially if the spirit of the Lord is starting to move and be poured out over this region. They're coming from every nook and cranny, every walk of life, from that side of the track and this side of the track. You are needed here in this house. Hear me one more time, let it awaken your spirit. Stop sitting back, we need you involved in this house. Your gift is gonna touch somebody that my gift can't touch. That's the importance of being planted in the house where God shows up to water and, and I can't go there. That's just a message for another time. But I think it's important. Mary and Martha, which one chose the best part? Be like Mary. I think she discerned the times and the seasons and knew what, when to pick up a towel and when to put the towel down. I think she knew. When's the time to set at his feet? When's the time to wash his feet? When's the time to feed? When's the time to whatever? So let's be like that. But the works of service gain their spiritual energy. Hear this for those that, that go and do. Works of service um, gain their spiritual, of, spiritual energy from the furnace of fiery love relationship at the feet of Jesus. So if you say, oh, I'm just so exhausted, spend time at his feet. Get to his feet. Sit and receive. Listen. Be attentive to what the Lord is saying. Until you attend to this responsibility first, you will constantly, listen to me, until you learn how to sit at his feet and just relax and listen, you will constantly be frustrated in your inability to uncover the joys of what it means to be radically obedient. You gotta, you gotta discover that. Here's one more thing. If you don't hear anything else, hear this part. The closer you get to God, how many of you say, I wanna be close to God? I wanna draw closer. Anybody? Serious hands tonight? I'm, some of you is like, I don't know if I wanna raise my hand. I don't know what that means. The closer you get to God, the greater and the more obedient you have to become. I'm telling, I know it's simplistic, but it's the truth. The closer you walk with him, the more obedient you have to become, the more certain things get shut out, the more certain things I have to take up. I think about the story of the higher you go up on a mountain, the thinner the oxygen gets. And they always say there's a snake line. Maybe some of us, the reason why we're, I'm not talking about we're handling snakes because they don't do that in this church. But maybe the reason why we're, <laughs> what do you think, Sam? <laughs> Aren't you glad we don't handle snakes? I might have one in my back. I'm just kidding. But the, the, there's a snake line on a mountain. The higher you go, they don't, they don't reside there. So what if, as we walk with the Lord and we continue to climb this mountain, uh, um, this mountain of prayer, so to speak, the deeper you go with him, the higher I go with him, there's certain things that won't bother you like they used to bother you. You just gotta walk close. But it's gonna require a level of obedience that only he can give you. Can I tell you something? This will free some of you. When the Lord speaks to you and gives you an impossible assignment, Oh, God, I can't do that. Wait, wait a second. The Lord spoke to you and said, this is what's gonna happen. You wanna be excited. But most naturally, the flesh turns towards, oh, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. No, you can't. But when he spoke, he just released a grace and an impartation inside of you to empower you 
for full dependence on him to see the word that he spoke to you come to fruition. I don't know, don't ask me to repeat that again. That's a lot. Go back and listen to the podcast. But when he speaks to me, I get excited because I understand that God, when you spoke to me, you just released grace to me knowing that I can't do it on my own. So I have to depend upon your word and seek for you and come after you and seek first your kingdom because that word has just empowered me to step into the fullness of your assignment. Man, I need somebody to pat me on the back. I'm kidding. It's just the words of affirmation is what I need. Some choose, listen, some choose the level of obedience whereby they endeavor to avoid sin and choose righteousness. Well, I just want to do what's right, Pastor. I don't want to do what's wrong. They choose to live in that level of obedience. But that's what the children of Israel live by. Moses, you just tell us what's right and what's wrong. We're going to do that. That's the children of Israel. They knew the acts of God. They knew what God did. But it's interesting because we've all been called to walk as Moses walked, except for we've got a greater covenant than Moses had. But yet we live beneath it. No, preacher, tell us what to do. We want to do. When Moses said, no, 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 you're missing it. You're called to be. I'm calling you. It's, even, even the agnostics and the whatever they don't believe in God they are. I can't think of it right now. They don't believe in him. Callists, we're called human beings. But I think we've messed it up because we don't fully understand what it means to be. We're human doings all the time. But if they've labeled us as human beings, then maybe we need to learn as a people of God learning how to be. What does that mean, God? Pastor, what do you say? How do you, what do you, can you just, I, listen, I'm asking him the same thing right now. And I always end up sitting on my, on my rear end, praying and seeking God or laying on my face or reading scripture, forgive me, and saying, God, teach me how to walk in you. Teach me how to live and move and have my being in you. That's where the life is. That's where it's at. Moses the children of Israel knew the acts of God. They knew what to do when Moses said, let's do this, let's do this. Moses knew God's ways. He was acquainted with the ways of the Lord. He even said at one point, and I prayed, I have been praying this. I prayed over my family. I prayed over our staff. I prayed over our church. I said, God, show us your way that we would know you more, intimately know you more, and find grace and favor in your sight. Teach us to walk according and follow the presence and not follow an agenda or not follow some precipice that somebody sits out and says, yeah. Yeah, this is, no, no, no. Follow the presence, God. If the cloud doesn't move, then we don't need to move. I need the cloud. I need the presence. I'm following you and not some agenda. We need to set that for ourselves. So Moses' level of obedience, check this out, was of a necessity much higher. You wanna know why? Here it is. The issue for Moses was no longer to simply, oh, well, is this action right or is this action wrong? Moses was like, he was asking, God, is this your command? That just convicts me in my heart. When I, when I have to constantly question, is this right or is this wrong? Should I take a drink? Should I not take a drink? Should I smoke that or should I not smoke that? Should I make that text message to that, to that, woman, of the, that woman or that whatever it is? No, no, no. I don't wanna question those things. I want to look at God and say, God, I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. Teach me. You don't hate people, but you hate actions that we do. 
You don't like that, but those sinful desires and actions. Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to grieve you by what I've thought, by what I've said and what I've done. And if I have, forgive me. If I've quenched you and stopped you and, and held back when I should have stepped forward, forgive me, teach me. Help me to be radically and, and, and rapidly obedient to you. I don't want to know, is this right or wrong? God, is this what you're asking? For those that are living and walking in that dimension with the Lord, and guess what? You can. There's so many people. Don't check out on me, okay? So many people want to check out whenever I talk about living radically with the Lord because you know why I pray for you. Every seat you're sitting in, I'm declaring that you're an intimate lover of God rather than the world and that God would take your heart and ignite it with passion for Jesus. I really do. You can walk into a dimension with the Lord that is so amazing. And it may be 10 minutes a day that you're spending with him. But when God calls, when the spirit of the Lord begins, think back for some of us. Think back to your, 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 your salvation when you committed your life to Jesus. When he knocked on your heart and said, hey, Sandra, I'm here. And you just knew, Jesus, I want you. And then the next day you got up. He was knocking on the door of your heart. Jesus, I just want you. And then all of a sudden, there was a pattern that just began to flip. And then you started knocking on the door. Jesus, I'm here for you. You're here already. I'm here for you. And then I listened to worship. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the water, the floodgates of heaven open up. And then God begins to just baptize you in his love. And you feel it wave upon wave upon wave upon wave. Some of us have forgotten that. And you need to... I'm trying to think of the word. Renew your testimony and your encounter with the Lord. When's the last time you've truly encountered him? I'm not talking about an altar service. That could happen. I'm talking about it personally. When is the last time that really when you read the word of God that you begin to weep? I've asked this at times. When's the last time? When's the last time that you carved off 10 minutes and just said, for 10 minutes, I'm reading. I'm gonna find a place in the scripture and I'm just gonna read until he starts speaking to me. Or I'm gonna pray until I actually break through. I am not leaving this closet until God breaks through. A Jacob mentality. God, if you, I'm not letting go unless you bless me. That we just grit our teeth and we hung on until the presence of God began to just break through. Or you prayed in the spirit and contended until you felt the release. Where is that? I'm getting into my part four of intercession. I'm not doing it. I'm getting back to my, it's getting too serious in here. I love this about Moses. This just really arrested me as I was thinking about it. God, I, I, please help me not to become a guy that, that has to debate whether if they're showing something on TV, if they start dropping all of these cuss words that I have to debate whether I'm gonna turn it off or not. I don't wanna do that, God. What would you do, Jesus, if you were sitting in the living room with oh, Some of these people have gotten to a greasy grace point where they think Jesus would just watch the show with them. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm that old school guy that doesn't think so. I don't know why I'm going there. I'm not. Anyway, but is it the command of the Lord or is it not? Is it right and wrong? No, that's not my question. Is it God's command? That's where I want to live for. When Moses was on the fiery mountain, the command was stay behind the cleft of the rock, Moses, because if you come out from behind the protective rock and see my face, you're going to die. You're so close to me right now that if you make a wrong move, you'll see my face and have a cardiac arrest on the spot. How many of us want to live that close? 
I didn't realize that until I was praying this year. And it's my personal prayer, but God, I want to walk so freakishly close with you this year. And then when I thought about Moses, it's like, well, maybe not that close, but I'll take a couple of steps back, God. But I kind of want to walk freakishly close with you tonight. No, I mean, I'm serious. I want to walk close with the Lord to where he tells me, AJ, you, you've got to come here, stand here. I want to make all of my goodness pass before you. AJ, there's a revival coming, and you've got to be very obedient. You've got to learn how to steward this. And when he says you've got to learn how to steward it, guess what? I get excited because when he says you've got to learn this, that means it's going to come from him, so there's a grace, and he's going to teach me, and he's a father. I love right now, me and Elijah, I think I'm having more fun than he is, probably am. We take bats out in the yard. We're working off the tee, getting ready for a lot of stuff. He's just done so good. I'm so proud of him. He's my son. So, But it's important when I'm talking with him in specific ways to hold his bat and all this stuff, his arm. He has to listen. If he doesn't want to listen to me, he's not going to hit it the way that he needs to hit it. And I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm great, but there's times when there's sharp words of Elijah and he stops and his eyes get big and he knows I'm serious and I'll tell him you got to correct your arm and he listens but all that's in my heart is pride love and joy to watch him perform what he loves to do so for you when God has spoke to you you've got to understand he's a father he does, he's not like your natural dad in this life, okay? So stop looking and thinking that he's, like, he's not. He is so good. And he wants you to succeed more than you can understand. He's always in a good mood, contrary to what people may think. And he's always looking to reward those that are willing to seek him. He's a good father. And he wants the very best for us. And as much as that I love my children and I love my son so much that I would give my life for him. He did for us. Jesus did. And he wants you to succeed more than you do. But he's looking for agreement. He's looking for obedience. Now, is there anything wrong or sinful with stepping out from behind a wall, behind a wall of rock? Oh, no. But when you're that close to God, it's imperative for you to follow his instructions to the letter and to stay where he's putting you. Tammy, you gotta stay put where he's putting you. If he sets you here, then you stay there. If he moves us into a job, we stay there until he releases. Stay here until I say. We've gotta be obedient. Bear's repeating and I'm finished. Well, it's already up. The closer you get to God, the more obedient you must be. Stand to your feet. I just want to give us just a few moments personally to pray. And maybe the Lord has been speaking to you about being obedient to what he's asked you to do. And so I'm just going to pray over you for just a few moments. If you could just drop the lights for just a second. Father, I pray that you would empower this people with the word that you're speaking to them right now. That God, they wouldn't move until the cloud moves. They wouldn't move until you release them to move. But God, as you've spoken to them about specific areas in their life that needs to shift change, we pray for transform transformation ultimately, God. 
forgive us for being disobedient in areas that we know that you've been speaking. It's not a question. It shouldn't be about what's right and what's wrong, but it should be more about, is this your command, God? I want to move at your voice. I want to move at your presence. And sometimes it's, sometimes we say, well, I can't hear God's voice, but do you feel his presence because he speaks through his presence? What do you sense? What do you feel? What is God saying? What is that area in your life God's calling you to be obedient in radically? I pray, Father, for those that struggle with the fear of man, that the fear of man would be broken off their mind, will, and emotions right now. Their fear and concern with what others may think, let it be broken right now. We declare that fear has run out of the room with your perfect love. I pray, God, for rapid, radical obedience in this location. Let our campus be known as a campus that walks in the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that hosts the presence of God, that follows your agenda, Lord, and your principle, not man's will and man's way. And I pray that you would enlarge and enhance and increase the fear of God upon this this group right now. The awe, the reverence, the respect of your word, your will, and your way, and nothing else. Nothing else matters but you, Jesus. Jesus, you're welcome right here, right now. You're welcome right here and right now. I feel this right now, so I'm just gonna flow with this, but some of you in the room right now, there's maybe there's some areas of your life where um, that you've been believing a lie of the enemy in whatever area that might be, where as you begin to maybe progress towards God and then as you begin to make a progress towards the Lord, there was just this, uh, this overwhelming sense of fear and worry. Well, I wonder what's gonna happen here. I wonder what's gonna happen there. And what happened was the enemy got scared as you taking your steps and progress and growing and knowing him more intimately. So he comes up and he begins to offer compromise. If you'll stop, I'll back off. And so right now, what I wanna tell you to do is what I feel is that you, you need to start at the place and say, Father, forgive me for taking a step back and believing a lie and empowering the liar to, liar to come in and steal the plan of God in my life. I renounce the lie. I repent of, for believing it. And I declare that, that that has no hold on my life anymore. And tonight, Jesus, I embrace the will of God, which is life and blessing and increase not to say that we're not gonna face anything, but you've given me a grace to carry well what you've placed upon my life. I received the anointing from the Holy Spirit tonight, and I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. And I pray for the fire of the Lord to go before me, rest upon me, and follow behind me. I pray to follow the cloud. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.